Hey hikers, welcome to the Thruer Podcast, where we talk to new and experienced long distance or through hikers about their adventures on and off trail. I'm your host, Cheer. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Thruer Podcast. Today, we are talking with Catherine, or Stitch, as she's known on trail. She is from Canada, and she hiked the Pacific Crest Trail this year in 2022 as part of the Thruer Trail Team. We had some really great trail talk, including talking about her on-trail hobby, which benefited her trail family, a beautiful night hike that she'll remember forever, a run-in with a bull on trail. We go over food, gear, so many lessons learned, and more. I hope you enjoy our conversation about all things Pacific Crest Trail. Hello, Stitch. Welcome to the Thruer Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. What about you, Cheer? How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you about your PCT truck. So um, we're going to get into a little intro for you, and then we're going to go into your our rapid fire quest questions that we ask every um, experienced hiker. And then we are going to get into the 10 main questions we ask everybody who's experienced right. on this show, uh, which is great because especially if you're a new hiker listening, um, you can kind of compare and contrast answers. So we have a set. Um, of 10 questions. And then um, at the end, I'm going to ask where people can follow along with your adventure. So um, with that, why don't you tell um, everybody, give a little intro where you're from, um, what your name is and that sort of thing. (laughs) So my real name is uh, Catherine. I'm from uh, Montreal, Canada. Um, And I'm I consider myself as a baby through hiker because PCT was my first through hike. But yeah, here I am. <laughs> and you made it. And you actually, well, we can go into this later too, but you yeah. made it actually to the Northern Terminus, which um, this year in 2022, a lot of hikers didn't because of fire closures, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that was you a were- very last yeah. minute thing. Yeah, I was one of the few lucky ones <laughs> reaching to right. the Northern Terminus. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll probably get into all that later with the questions, mm-hmm. but um Great. So um, let's get into the rapid fire questions. These are meant to be fun and quick, but if we do want to get into it, like there's some um, highly debated topics, like uh, yep. we'll get to in a second, but like shoe wear, um, footwear, uh, we could get into it if we want. So the first question is, what is the grossest thing you did or ate while on trail? We're getting Ooh. right into it. Yeah. Well, the grossest thing I did was in my tent in a very, very crowded uh, tent site. It was at Kennedy Meadows South. The tents were like on each other. I mean, it it was crowded and I didn't feel comfortable going out to pee because there was no space around. (laughs) It was all open. So I did pee in a Ziploc bag in my tent (laughs) and I kept it upside. Like it has to stay up (laughs) very well sealed. So yeah, that, that was kind of gross. But the grossest thing was actually not from me, but from a deer um in the wilderness not at a crowded camp but i was alone in that tent site a deer came up in the middle of the night drinking my pee like a few meters away from my tent that was the grossest moment i was like ew you're cute but not anymore (laughs) yeah i remember that was that did you say that was in norcal 
Uh, yes, in Raquel. Yep. There was a lot of deer there. There were a lot of deer. Yeah. I had deer stalking me when I would yeah. go pee because yeah, they, they were knew. looking at me. Yes. They were stalking. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> the pee addicted deers of NorCal. Yep. <laughs> That's right. I know they need to put salt licks out there or something for them. Maybe it was the strawberry electrolytes I drank. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. But that was gross, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe it's like a flavored thing for them. Who knows? But um, okay. I'm impressed by the Ziploc bag too. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was really risky, but I managed to keep my tent dry. I mean. Yeah, you did it. You did it. <laughs> Great. Okay. So next question is, are you ultralight or you don't care? UL or don't care? I need to be light to be comfortable, but I'm not a UL um, fanatic. I mean, back home in Canada, I'm considered as an ultralight because ultralight is not a big thing in here. Uh, but on trail, I was a really average light hiker. I don't really mind about UL. I, my value is to be comfortable with what I have. And being light is also part of the comfort. So it's the balance between both, I guess. Yeah. A, a lot of hikers actually say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not super heavy, but they're also not technically ultra light. So, mm -hmm. yep, yeah, great. Okay, boots or trail runners? Trail runners. <laughs> I can't do boots. Um, I just can't. Blisters, heat. Ugh. Yeah. So, what brand is your preference for your trail runners? I did wear the same exact brand and model the whole way. I. Uh, destroyed five pairs, four and a half pairs. It was the Salomon Ultra Glide. So it, Salomon are not very common on trail. Uh, I, I do have a weak arch, so I needed something that supports my feet more than the, the ultras. I can't do zero drop. I know I tried minimalistic running before in my life. It just doesn't fit me. So I need something with a good support. And uh, yeah, and I can still feel the ground. <laughs> Right. Um, do you, do you use insoles as well or no insoles? It's just the shoe. No insoles. I use what's in the shoe. They fit me perfectly. I didn't change the recipe. So it was as, as is. Yeah. Don't mess with that. Okay. Got nope. it. Don't mess with the perfect recipe. Nope. Okay. Last rapid fire is stove or cold soak stove. My stove is so tiny. I don't see how I can like, not carry it and also i like i like like as many most of the hiker do I, I love to have my warm meal at the end of the day something warm and my hot coffee in the morning too i can't cold salt coffee <laughs> that's that seems to be the norm mm -hmm. <laughs> the norm yep great okay so let's get into the 10 questions um so the first one is how did you get your trail name stitch hmm. Stitch. Uh, it was because of a trail angel. Actually, when I was in Julian, the first town of the desert, um, there was a wool shop at the, you know, the yarn and wool and knitting shop. And it was closed that day. And I was sad. I was like, oh my God, I miss knitting. And the trail angel asked me, what will you miss the most on trail? I was like, actually, I'm afraid to lose my knitting and crocheting skills. He heard that. And next town in the Mazama village at mile 100, uh, he brought me a huge ball of yarn with needles, like plastic needles from Walmart. I was so happy with that. And he says, like, now you can knit on trail. You have to carry it. No. So I started knitting on trail doing, you know, stitching. And I was stitching beanies 
for my friends and the name came out at Big Bear, someone called me Stitch and that was it, that sticks. That's perfect. So did you knit all the way up the trail or just for a portion of the trail? I knitted most of the desert. Um, I continued in the Sierra. I got new wool, like more fancy wool and more ultralight needles in Bishop. There was another wool shop that was open that day. So I upgraded my knitting gear on the course of time. But in NorCal in Oregon, I started to do big days and like me longer days. So I didn't really continue. But in Washington, I, I pick it up again. And so I, I think I knitted like four beanies on trail so far. Wow. So I'm so interested in this. How long about, I mean, I know you were hiking, but how long did it take you to knit like one beanie? I had the two first one took 200 miles each. <laughs> okay. So All it's right. not a continue. I don't knit while I walk, just to be clear. It's too dangerous <laughs> if you fell in, I don't know, needles, whatever. Uh, so I do it just at camp when I have time and want to relax and in town too, in zero days. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great story. And your trail family totally lucked out with you too. They got like beanies <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> they got a great souvenir. And I found a little leather tag that says Sierra made to put on the beanies. So that's something oh unique. Goodness. Yeah, that's a great souvenir. So unique. Okay, well, if you ever need another trail family member. <laughs> hi. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I'll that's keep you warm. Start. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so next question. What drew you to long distance hiking? Why did you want to do the PCP? I never had enough of short backpack backpacking trips. I do like three days, uh, a weekend, seven days, and even seven days. When I started it, I was like, oh my God, seven days. I don't know what I'll do in my head during all that time. And seven days was not enough. I needed something longer. I wanted to really live in the wood for as long as possible. And the long trails in the U.S. are the good excuse to do that. I mean, it's endless. So it's like all you can walk buffet. <laughs> Totally. With some buffets on the way too. Like, did you go to some, the Timberline? Oh yeah. The breakfast at Timberline Lodge, of course. <laughs> yeah. Buffets, walking buffets and eating buffets on the PCT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, okay. Yeah. You could, you just couldn't get enough of your shorter trips. So you decided let's go all in and let's do the PCT. Yep. Awesome. Great. Um, okay. So we're going to get into gear now and people love gear talk, right? So, um, what were your favorite and least favorite pieces of gear? And, um, we'll get into this later too. If you're going to do another trail, um, what would you change up? Would you change anything up for your next experience on trail? All right. Let's start by the least favorite, maybe. Um, okay. yeah. I, I loved my, uh, sleeping pad when I started with, it was a Nemo tensor. I loved it. It was perfect, but uh, it has a manufacturing defect, which make big bubbles. I had like a bump in the middle of the bag and then a big pillow and it started like popping out. So Nemo replaced it to me, but they were like, um, there was not any more in stock. So they sent me the long and wide instead. So it was so heavy and so bulky and so long to inflate. I mean, every night I kept it the whole way. From Kennedy Meadow South, when I exchange it, I kept the big one until the end because, you know, it's free and I had it. But it was 
so big and so long to inflate. I mean, I was laughing alone in my tent at night because it took all the space. And I, I have a Z-Pack duplex. That's a pretty big tent. But this one was huge. It took all the space. I mean, I had a queen bed in my tent. I call it my princess mattress. It was too big. I, so it's like a kind of love-hate situation. <laughs> but yeah, I still have it. But if I would do it again, I will definitely change it for a smaller one, like the Termarest or, uh, or more light and small one. So yeah, that was the worst piece of gear. Not my fault, but... <laughs> Right. That sounds luxurious, but also a pain to carry and blow up, like you're uh, saying, pick up space. <laughs> yeah. Once it was inflated, it was great, but oh my God, so long. Yep. Yeah. Oh God, I can imagine. Uh, so what was your favorite or multiple favorite pieces of gear? Uh, the big one is my quilt. I mean, it's my safe blanket. I love it so much. I, I switched to quilt on the PCT, because I started with their sleeping bag, like a duvet sleeping bag from Marmo, um, but it was not uh, warm enough. It was like a 20 degree. And in Warner Spring, which I renamed Warmer Spritz, whatever, for anecdotes. But uh, <laughs> so in Warmer Spritz, I changed my sleeping bag for uh, enlightened equipment quilt, uh, a 10 degree quilt, which I love. I mean, it's my safety at night it's my big safety blanket it's so warm and cozy even during like heat waves I didn't mind I was just sleeping on it halfway inside I mean you can just cover yourself like a like a blanket so yeah definitely my favorite piece of gear yeah we have a similar story I started on the PCT with a um, just like a normal sleeping bag from REI um, and then on the CDT I switched over to a quilt an enlightened equipment quilt um, mm. same thing I will never go back. It's lighter. It's such, yeah, such a game changer. Like, total game changer. And then like you're saying too, I have a 10 degree as well. Um, if you get hot, you can just kind of open it up. You don't have to like unzip the thing. And then like, I don't know, it's less <laughs> awkward. <laughs> yeah, you're not all twisted inside. I mean, in, and you have space to move at night. I love right. this. Uh, yep, this design. Yeah, so we both are in the enlightened equipment camp there. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay, so if you're going to do, if you would do another trail again, um, would you make any other, any change-ups? Like, would you swap anything out? So like you were saying for your um, sleeping pad, you might switch to a thermorest. Is there anything else that you would swap out? Oh, I would definitely swap my spork to a spoon because it's so useless to have the little, uh, I mean, I don't need a spork. I don't need a fork. So why not just have like a spoon to shovel food in your mouth? I mean, I don't need the, I don't know, little teeth. I mean, it's useless. So this I will change. I would change my electronic setup as well. I had two 10K charger, one from Anchor, which is really reliable. And the other one was a Nightcore, which is okay reliable but i'm still debating so i'll do my research but i still don't know if i carry my big anchor that i love but it's bulky or the lighter one but they can broke and they can break easily so mm, still debating on that but i may uh, optimize that in the future yeah okay that's good to know and um the spork thing is such a great thing to bring up i never thought about that but i switched from a spork to just like a long handled spoon oh yeah the best thing ever like because you can shovel everything in your mouth quickly <laughs> it carries more food at once I mean <laughs> and if you if you eat a soup it doesn't leak out I mean that's a spoon is perfect 
spoon all the way. Yeah, that's spoon a great. We've, that's never come up on this show yet, so that's a great one. Mm. Love it. Great. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite and worst memory from trail is the next kind of question. So, what was your favorite and least favorite memory from trail? Um, my favorite. There's a lot of favorites because the sunsets on the PCT are just every night is stunning. Every camp is different. Uh, but one memory that come back is uh, when I went down from Mir Pass because we went up Mir Pass pole stalling all day because we woke up too late. The approach was long. So we were pole stalling to the hips. I chose to stay in the shelter because we were, it was like, 11 p.m. 11 a.m. Sorry, it was 11 a.m. when I reached the shelter, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's a pole stalling nightmare on the other side going down." I was like, "It's too dangerous. There's some rivers underneath. I can hear the water. I cannot see it." So, for safety, well, it's an emergency shelter. So, to me, it was an emergency situation. I chose to stay uh, camp in the, that shelter, and the night after, we woke up very early just to be on top of the snow and have a hard surface to walk uh, with our micro spikes and going down near pass in the silence of the night at like 4 a.m. It was magical. It was all blue. It was like a, a, a huge ball of blue snow. Uh, the stars were still there. The sun was just peeking up and you see like the crown of the mountain becoming gold. And yeah, we just walked down. The only sound we could hear was like, the crunching of our uh, spikes on the snow and a coyote came across us and crossed uh, the snowfield in front of us. That was magical. Yeah, definitely my most memorable moment on trail. That sounds really beautiful. And descending into, I think it's Evolution Valley from there. Oh, yes. I yeah. Imagine during, the, did you see the sunrise as well yes. there? Once oh. we were down in the valley, the sun came up and my, the mountain was like, uh, lightened with gold light it was magical it's hard to explain because I mean sorry for the accent but yeah it's hard to express what I mean to say in English yeah you know even I find it hard even like I'm an English speaker and in my own language I still find it hard to even explain this feeling so many feelings even like finishing the trail I can't Ugh. I tried on the podcast to explain the feeling mm, and it's, it's so, so hard, hard to explain because there's just so many feelings that maybe words can't even describe so um totally get that <laughs> <laughs> was the moon out when you were hiking like were you able it was to be okay still, or the moon was still out there was no cloud so the natural light of the moon was lighting that we still use our uh, headlamp but I mean the moon was lighting the valley it was it was stunning I was speechless oh that sounds so beautiful did you get any I know probably didn't get any footage of this and it'd be tough to do that right I have some pictures I don't remember if I filmed it but I do have some stunning pictures of it my friend was behind me like a I don't know a few hundred feet behind me and he took a picture of me I was so small in the ocean of snow I mean I, I felt very tiny. So that picture speaks a lot because I felt so tiny in this uh, grandiose landscape. And this picture in particular, yeah, speaks uh, for itself. Do you have that photo up on um, your Instagram? It should be there. It should be there because okay. I was posting daily on my, well, not when I didn't have cell service, but I have like uh, one 
uh, one publication, one post for each day on trail. So in my John Muir section, it should be there. It's beautiful. Okay. I need to find that photo because I really want to mm-hmm. see it. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I hiked that section during the daytime, but I had a similar coyote experience. I was like oh. in the front. I was in the front by kind of a large margin. So I was hiking by myself and this beautiful coyote just came right in front of me across the trail and like jumped mm. up onto the rocks and stood there and looked at me. So yeah. I wonder if it's the Coyote. maybe maybe it's the same or from the same family i mean they live definitely there they live in the valley that's their home so yeah, yeah. he was very curious so, too uh-huh yeah i was surprised i mean i'm sure the animals there see people all the time because it's evolution valley um and so people go there it's like a destination for a lot of people mm-hmm. so yeah i think the animals there are very used to humans so i was surprised by that experience and it sounds like you had a similar experience same spot <laughs> yep I think it, it might have been. Yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. So let's get into your least favorite. Let's get into the bad stuff. Let's get real. What was yeah, your least the bad stuff? Um, <laughs> when I reached Washington, by the time I entered Washington state, uh, there was a lot of fires in the NorCal in Southern Oregon and the big bubble was there. And most of them chose to take a leap forward and skip Oregon and um, start in Washington. So the trail suddenly became very crowded. That I was not expecting that. I was expecting the crowd thinning out like on the course of time and be more, more alone, have more like contemplation time in Washington, be more um, in my, my own bubble and be lonely on trail. That was definitely not the case. Some nights I had to hike until like 9.30 p.m. to find a free spot. It was so crowded. The trail is not ready for that many people. The southbounders, the section hikers, the bubble jumping forward, and the people that are like were on their timing. So yeah, it was, um, there was a huge crowd there. And once I reached White Pass, you know where the cracker barrel is? You can take showers, you can do laundry. I was expecting to shower and do laundry there. But when I got to the to White Pass at the Cracker Barrel, you know, like 50 hikers putting up their tents on the backyard, other hikers sitting in the front in line waiting for a cold shower, because I mean, there's no hot water anymore. The, the shower keeps running 24 seven almost. So it was not possible for me to either shower or laundry. There was like a waiting list for laundry and there was no spot left before the day after and I was not I I did not have the intention to stay there so I did not shower I did not laundry and I went on um so I spent like 14 days without showers or laundry being a little miserable but I I preferred that than put my name on a waiting list to do my laundry that's part of the trail I guess being dirty so Yeah. Interesting. I remember when I was hiking, there was in Washington, it was hard to find tent spots because by that time as a northbound hiker, you're hiking into the night, like your hike, you want to make your miles, you want to get to Canada. So you're hiking until nine or nine 30 at night. And by the time you get to camp, all the southbounders that just kind of started, they're already in camp. They've been in camp for two hours. And and the section (laughs) hikers, the weekenders that set up their camp at 3 PM. I mean, they were already there, big families, big groups. It's a very popular section too. And the window of time to do it in the year is very short. I mean, as soon as the snow melts, 
you have two weeks before the fire starts. So it's basically a two or three week window in one year. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like what you're saying, people were flipping up. Um, so mm. that made matters even worse for you. Like I can't imagine trying to fight, not fight for a spot, but trying <laughs> to like set up somewhere. Cause you can't just set up anywhere in Washington. It's so lush. You have to find the actual established campsites. Cause you can't, you can't just like fall on the side of the trail, like on the CDT and just set mm. up. It's not like the <laughs> desert too. I mean, it's, it's all like, yeah, the, the vegetation is so dense. You, you cannot set up anywhere in the forest, not possible. And it's not flat. I mean, it's really rugged. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, wow. Um, that's, that's a little tough. I see why that's your least favorite memory. Just like not knowing where you're going to set up like, Oh, there's a tent site, but is it going to be full? I don't mm, know. I don't know. So, yep. It was a continuous yeah. fight for finding a site. Okay. Yep. Yep. That would be a bummer for sure. Mm. Okay. Let's get into your scariest memory from trail. So I like to ask this question as well, because, um, you know, safety might come into this conversation or something like that. So, um, scariest moment, <laughs> scariest moment with an animal. Cause I have two scary moments. I mean, one is an animal encounter. The other one is more about risk. So a bull, um, the bull incident, that was my more like my scariest moment on trail uh, by far. Um, we were setting up camp somewhere like near the trail, near uh, after Tehachapi. So we were still in the desert. Uh, so we were setting up camp, 10 people, uh, quiet camp. And there was like a black cow watching us like from, from a distance. It was not a cow, it was a bull. And I think we were in his territory because he came in our camp later that night when it was dark. So it was too late to just pack and go. I mean, we, we chose to stay there, but the bull was like charging some of us. He was acting weird. He had like foam in his mouth and he was like all odd and, and, and predictable. So we barricade our tent site with branches and logs. <laughs> we made a little fence around us to protect us from the unpredictable bull. And he was trying to poke in the branches to... I don't know. I don't know for what. Was he looking for food? Does he want to charge us to uh, trample our tent? No idea. So we just barricade ourselves. We tried to sleep, but we could hear him circling around us all night. I mean, doesn't he go to sleep sometimes? I mean, bulls are nocturnal animals down there. I don't know, but it was very scary. And we did not sleep much that night. Understandable. That's really scary. Um, yep. what happened in the morning? Like when you packed up, was he still there when you were packing up? And when we were packing up, it was quiet. We couldn't see him. So we're like, okay, let's pack up quietly and leave as a group. We were, there was 10 of us and we left as a group. We couldn't see him. And he was like, I don't know, a hundred meter uh, North on the trail, blocking the trail. He was like sideways blocking the whole trail. And it was like dense brushes around. So we couldn't go around him he was and he was like stomping the ground when we would approach like moving his head and stomp the ground and like okay he did he just he's blocking the trail he just does not want us to go north weird so we had to like bushwhack our way around to be safe I mean there's no way I could like take the risk of being charged by this bull it was very odd so yeah we bushwhacked our way around him and moved on. <laughs> but we warned the, like, the animal service uh, through Garmin Enrich so they can take care of it. So I don't know what happened with that bull. He was like 
the only one around. There was no other cows or anything. It was like a wild, lonely bow. Huh. Interesting. Well, it's good that you um, let let uh, the authorities know about that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. everything was okay. Maybe they needed to move the bull elsewhere or something. <laughs> um, well, I, can, I, I is- get it. He was home, and we felt it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's his little, his territory, I guess maybe he was protecting, but you guys mm-hmm. did the smart thing and like went around. You didn't mm-hmm. take on the wall. <laughs> no, there's this one guy that was named Mathador after this incident because he was carrying the bull with his tent fly. He had like a, a red Agnes, the, the red orange tent fly. And he was trying to scare him with the red flag, like, like a Mathador. So the trail name stayed. <laughs> That's a good trail name. <laughs> Because what an experience. Yeah, that's definitely the scariest moment. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely de- scary. other scariest moment were obviously the river crossings in the Sierra. That was very sketchy. And I fell once in the water. Um, I underestimated the power and the unpredictability of the current. So I went in with my bo- both of my poles my pack on like uh, unbuckled and my straps uh, loose uh, to safely cross it but even then the power of the water just swept my feet away and I fell on the side and I lost both of my trekking poles (laughs) so I permanently lost one down in the falls like downstreams I mean it was lost forever but somewhere in a trekking pole cemetery in the bottom of the Sierras and I managed to retrieve one so the scary part was I needed to cross the coming, like the, the next water crossing with only one pole. So it's a good Ooh. thing we were in a group because we helped each other uh, going through the water. I would never cross anything alone uh, from, from that uh, incident on. But yeah, water crossings when the snow is melting um, are to be taken very seriously. It's really risky. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, very good advice. Um, I, I also did river crossings in heavy snow melt. It, it was no joke. Um, even something that's knee height or thigh height could sweep you off your feet. It doesn't take much because the water is so powerful. So to not like your situation, you lost one pole to not have, um, you know, four points or three points of contact at one time would be very scary. Um, do you remember what what river it was that you fell in do you remember what uh, the name was the one i fell was right after glen pass the name was there was another name it was just a creek i mean it was not even listed as a hazardous crossing it was right after the 800 mile uh, mark um but then the next one after that i think the worst one was evolution creek was not that bad like it could be very dangerous i can see why because the waterfalls waiting for you around the corner but it was not that bad. Bear Creek after Evolution Creek. This one was serious. The water was so powerful and it was some white water. So you couldn't see what's in the bottom of the river. You had to like to test it with your pole before moving on for the next step. Uh, but I mean, you have to move, but you had to be careful. Like it's a fine line between like going too fast and make a wrong step and making sure you're stable, but, not, but you're freezing if you take your time. So you don't feel your feet anymore by by half of the river so yeah definitely uh risky right yeah and you're right too like you want to go slow and take your time because that's the safest way to do it but you're also like freezing freezing Mm -hmm. (laughs) it hurts 
Yes, it starts hurting pretty quickly because it's snow melt. The snow's right mm-hmm. there. It's melted. Yep. So yeah. Um, and, and that's a good point too, especially for new hikers who are planning to do the PCT. Sometimes the creeks, what's labeled as just a creek or a generic stream, are the most sketchy ones. Yeah, because so, like there's so no lightning. there's no help to cross them. I mean, there's they, they just appear and disappear. And some some years they're at different places, so they're so unpredictable. Right. Yeah. So definitely, that sounds scary. Um, you fell in, which is so scary, and you lost a trekking pole. So yeah, it's good that you were in a group and um, waiting for people. Like, let's say you're hiking solo, it's always a good idea to wait for somebody to come yeah. before crossing. So and yeah, there will group- be someone. There will be someone yeah. coming behind you in 15, 20 minutes. So take a break stop yeah. before crossing if you're alone don't even try to cross alone because i mean if you're swept away nobody's going to help you so yeah always wait for someone yeah. to cross really good advice thank you for that um okay so we're going to segue into food we love talking about food so um what was your best town meal my it's an underrated little trail town it was in norcal in truckee which is after Quincy. And I think it's um, a Donner Pass. You can access Truckee through Donner Pass. I was supposed to stay at the ski resort because there's some bunk beds and free beer <laughs> that you can have there. Um, but me and my friend, we decided to go and explore Truckee that night. Um, and there's, there's a nice hostel. And there's that restaurant, the Old Town Tap. Both of the owners are former PCT through hikers and they offer a free beer and a free ice cream for all through hikers that uh, go for dinner at their restaurant and the meal was my favorite on trail it, it beats timberline lunch by far i mean we had like uh, bone marrow we had a nice uh, horseradish salad and fresh veggies and spinach and feta pizza and fancy mac and cheese that was great that was a great meal Okay, I've never heard this one before, so I wrote it's, that down. Yeah, Truckee is definitely the most underrated little trail town on the PCT. Okay. And there's a I, nice yeah. hostel too. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. Um, I am going to link this for the listeners in the show notes mm-hmm. um, and the viewers in the, the show note area. Um, because, yeah, if, they're, if it's owned by former PCT hikers, let's support them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Cool. Okay. I wrote that down. Um, okay. Now what's your favorite on trail food? Like what's your favorite thing to eat on trail snacks or something you prepare for dinner, breakfast? What's your favorite? Favorite snacks. I mean, it replaces the Snickers. I was used to Snickers and I discovered those uh, Reese's bars, like the not rageous bars. The not rageous is my favorite on trail so far so I was craving it because they don't have it everywhere it's not like Snickers you have to search for them so that was my best little treat on trail yeah and I'm still not sick of the good old pad thai you know the ramen with peanut butter and spicy tuna this I can't get sick of I I did a small backpacking trip this weekend and that's that's what I that's what I brought (laughs) because I still love it Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see, so you don't get sick of that one. Okay. Nice. Yeah. We just had Katmandu on, um, uh, last week and he has his little pad thai recipe too. Oh, so it sounds yeah. like a lot of people <laughs> are doing pad thai on trail. I'll have to try. I, you know, I, it's funny. I, I do ramen bombs, but I don't oh, do yeah. pad thai. 
So, okay. I need to do spicy tuna, peanut butter, and then ramen, right? Anything else? If you can add dehydrated veggies, I ordered through Amazon a big bag of dehydrated veggies, you know, to make soups. It's cut in little uh, bits. So you just add it to your hot water with the ramen and it has a little uh, crunch and vegetable taste to the pad thai. So that's the deluxe version with the veggies. In. <laughs> okay, let's go deluxe. I love it. Awesome. Oh, yeah. All right, let's get into possibly trail angel talk. Um, mm. What was the nicest thing someone did for you on trail or in town? I was a very lucky one on the PCT this year because there's a legend trail angel. Uh, he, he's kind of in the shadow. His trail name is Ghost. And he says he helps a few, a lot. So he shows us, I don't know how many, but a few hikers every year. And he helped them all the way to Washington. So he's from Southern California. He picked me up in San Diego, brought me to um, Campo. And he drove me around to go to Campo to make sure I have a SIM card, to make sure I have my shoes, to make sure I try shoes at REI and other uh, stores to make sure on the way I can order the proper shoe. He helped me a lot uh, at the start. And then I met him. He gave me the yarn. That's because of Ghost that I'm stitched. Uh, so he helped me and my friends a lot in Southern California. And I was not expecting to see him again because he went on vacation while I was in the Sierras. I kept in touch. I mean, I, I gave him some news from me and he would give me some advice depending on where I was on trail, like uh, trail conditions and everything. Uh, when I was in Washington, he was there. He was in Mazama village. He traveled all the way north doing a nice road trip. He was there for like two weeks, helping people around, helping uh, the host at the lion's den. He stayed there for two weeks, helping around. And he waited for me to finish so he could pick me up at Hearts Pass when I finished. So just like to close the loop, he was there at the beginning and he was also there uh, at at the end and he drove my, me and my friend to Seattle all the way on his way back home so yeah that's incredible <laughs> that's the best gift wow. I could hope for on trail that's amazing so uh, yeah I've heard of ghosts before but I didn't realize he you said helped a few a lot like that's oh yeah what he does you hikers a lot. Yeah, his number is not found anywhere. You cannot find ghosts. He finds you. He appears and he disappears. It's like this. It's he's unpredictable. Oh, that's <laughs> but so that's cool. that's a true trail angel. Yes, definitely. He's there with you the whole way. So you're one of the lucky ones. Oh yes, I feel I felt so blessed to have him around. Like yeah, yeah. he was a true angel for me. Totally. Oh, that's amazing. You know, it's, I'm thinking about just cause he, he must have a story, right? And you probably know a lot of his stories. Oh, yes. oh he has tons would, of stories because he's been, he's been doing that for years since he retired. <laughs> yeah. Something I've been thinking about doing is getting trail angels on the podcast as oh. well. Oh, you should have, have him. Too. So, um, yeah, I don't know if he, you know, he's ghost, right? I don't ghost. know if he to be kind of hidden or whatever, but I would love to talk to him on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we can summon if, if you want. <laughs> I have his secret contact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you don't mind, like if, if he would be open to it, I, I do yeah. want to start a, tra a trail angel series because we need to honor our trail angels. And I oh, want to yes. hear their story. They have stories too. They have so many stories. Like how did they, how they find out about the 
trail? Did they hike it? Why are they doing this? Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, if he's open to it, uh, I would love to. Sure. So, I'll have him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So the next question is what is the greatest lesson you learned on trail? Uh, well, it's kind of, it sounds like an easy one, but it's not that easy to apply. It's listening to your own body, your own pace. That's the biggest lesson I learned on trail. Take my time. Don't rush, but move forward if I need to. It's just listen to me despite what my friends were doing. So it was a really hard call to make because, I mean, I love all the people I met on trail. I wanted to stay with them. I wanted to stick with them, but I don't work like that on trail. I need something inside me is calling me to move forward when I need to and slow down when I need to. So I, I managed to listen to that inner voice all the way. And that's the greatest lesson because I was not injured. I followed my own pace. I, I respected my body. I was honoring my legs all the way. Um, and it worked out pretty well. Uh, and it was always a little voice that was pulling me forward. I was like, hmm, maybe I should not take that zero. Maybe it's the zero that will put me behind the fire. There's always this little thought behind your head on the PCT to be ahead of the fires all the time. So I listened to it. I kept moving forward. I was disciplined, but I was still have fun. I mean, but I, I needed to move forward for like I cannot explain the reason the reason I found on the last day is I was one day one day before the fire at the monument I managed to exit the trail the day they were closing it so there's only like a bunch of us that could finish that day all the other one were turned around like seven miles from the monument the ranger were like evacuating the trail behind me so yeah, I'm very thankful to have listened to that inner voice to making me moving forward, but also respecting my own pace and slowing down when I need to. That's the biggest wow. lesson. Yeah. And that, um, I think kind of ties into the advice that we're going to get into in the next question, but, um, mm. what a great thing to listen to that intuition that you have, like you listened to it and you made it to the terminus and so many other hikers did not. So that was the reason. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go to trail days, even if a part of me wanted to, cause I mean, it's a nice party. It's a nice, uh, get together, but I was like, mm, what if, so I listened to that. What if, and stayed on trail and stay constant. I was not a fast hiker, but I was constant. And I would like, I would pop up into people that were way ahead of me, like fast guys. And I was like, oh, I'll never see them again. But they were at the next trail town. It was like, oh, here they are. So they stopped there because they 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 had an injury, a knee hurt or something. And I kept seeing them all the way to the end, even if I was not fast. So it's okay to be slow. That would be my advice for any future through hiker. It's okay to go at your own pace. No, nobody's waiting for you. Nobody will wait for you. You don't have to wait for anybody. Just move at your own pace and listen what's, what drags you forward on trail. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, that's something I think a lot of people get intimidated about um, in the beginning. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people fall out because they push themselves too far because they, they see these, you know, out of Campo, they see these hikers going all the way to Lake Marina in one day. And that's great. And maybe you did that too. I can't remember. Some people no, did do it. No, I did not. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. I didn't either. And I'm so glad I didn't, but some oh, people did. And it yeah. It works for some people's bodies. It doesn't work for everybody. So yeah. you need to know, you just don't push yourself. And I think, you know, when you feel like you're being pushed, like intuitively, mm-hmm. I think yeah, you know and, that. Yeah. And there's also a big fear to be alone on trail. Um, a lot of the people are experiencing, especially at the start, they, they're afraid to camp alone. They're afraid to not being able to follow their friend. Uh, they just want to be part of the group. That's the big uh, feeling that pull them forward. And sometimes this fear will put them in dangerous situation where they, they push themselves and they injure themselves. Sometimes it works. And sometimes you need those people to like make you out of your comfort zone, but you have to feel when you need to slow down and 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 respect that because it could be yeah it could stop your hike I mean yeah the fear of being alone could definitely ruin your own hike (laughs) right and specifically for the PCT you're not most likely you're not going to camp alone this is a very um popular trail like I don't think I camped alone I'm trying to think about this in the desert section, I don't think I ever camped alone. There were always I, people the tent sites. Yeah, I managed to camp alone. I counted the nights. I managed to sleep alone, alone, twelve nights. Uh, like on the court, it was one hundred sixty-five nights, and only twelve nights out of those. And it's because I searched for it. It's because I wanted to camp alone. I I was aiming for that because. If you just camp wherever there's some campsites, established camps, you will not be alone. There will be people around all the time. You really have to look for it in order to camp alone. Right. Yes. Yes. That's great advice because, yeah, hikers don't know that at the beginning. So you you don't need to keep up with people if you're no. scared of being alone. When you roll into the campsite, there will be people or people will Oh, come. there will be. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I was expecting to camp alone. and two or three people would show up during the the evening. So yeah, I didn't count those nights. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I want to go back to what you said about pace. So, you know, I think some people are self-conscious about pace. I am also a slow hiker. Um, I'm a consistent, like two and a half mile an hour girl, like consistent, unless it's like Mm -hmm. really steep, then I slow way down. Um, downhill, I'm a lot faster, but like consistently I'm two and a half miles an hour. Um, and I never improved to this day. I'm still a two and a half mile girl and that's okay. You can finish trails that way. Oh yeah. You don't have to push 40 miles a day and do a three or four mile an hour pace. You don't have to do that to finish a trail. In fact, that's worse. (laughs) Yeah, I think that the real secret is just to be consistent and disciplined. That's it. You just have to constantly move forward. But doing big days will never help you because, I mean, you're hiking the day after. So if you do a big 24-hour challenge to go to Tehachapi, you're all broken and you will take three days off. So you don't gain anything by moving fast unless you want to spend three or four days in town. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point too. And I know some people love doing the challenges and that's really great for them, oh, yeah. but that's definitely not for everybody. So if you, you know, like Stitch and I, if you don't feel like that resonates with you and that's how you want to hike, don't do it. You don't need to do it. Slow down. 
it's okay. Smell the roses, <laughs> look at the flowers. <laughs> right. Take some photos. And there's this saying on trail, maybe you've heard it too. Um, the last one to Canada wins. So, oh, you know, yes. taking time is good. I know now we have like the fire well, closure thing to worry about. This year so was not another, that true, but yeah. Right. That's another layer with like a fire closure to, and stuff, but like on the AT or whatever, last one to Canada wins. Um, so yeah, it's okay. To, it's okay to be a slow hiker. You can still make it to, to the border or wherever your goal is. So I love that advice too. Good one. Um, okay. So we're coming to a close here. Um, where can people keep up with your adventures. I know you're very active on Instagram. So I think there's that and any other place we can keep up with you um, on your future adventures. Well, Instagram is the main one. I'm still debating if I wanted to start a YouTube channel. There's a lot of pressure to make videos and I hate mixing videos. I'm just not good at it. So I think I'll keep using Instagram as my trail journal. That's what I do. I, I write a lot. It may sound weird when you translate my text because it's in French. And I, I write with a little poetry and metaphors. So sometimes the translate is weird, but that's fun. Uh, so yeah, Instagram is my main trail journal per se. I'm also on Facebook. So both contents are the same. Perfect. I'm just writing this down just to make sure I get everything in the links. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, and so speaking of future adventures, I know this isn't like a question that um, I normally ask in the 10 questions, but are you planning to do any future hikes? Is that on your mind at all? Yeah. Well, I was not supposed to be on the PCP last year. Um, I was on the 80 in 2020 and got kicked out because of the COVID thing. I had to go back to Canada and wait two weeks. Turns out to be two years. And so I was supposed to go back on the 80 in 2022. And I don't know, a little something told me that I should apply for a permit just in case. I mean, in case I got one or not uh, and I got a permit. So I was like, all right, let's do the PCT. But yeah, obviously the 80 is still in my heart, uh, it's still in the back of my mind. I have an unfinished business. In fact, I didn't even start it. I only did like 11 days um, in Georgia and, and uh, uh, South Carolina, uh, North Carolina. So I, I need, something is calling me there. I, I need to go there and, and, and do it finally. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, keep me updated because if it's next year, I'm going to be there. So maybe oh, we can yes. If you're but, planning on doing it next year, possibly. I am, but I'm going to go Sobo. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay. Unpopular choice. Because, <laughs> I mean, no, I... because of what I experienced in Washington with the crowded trail, I know the AT is more suit, suitable for like big camps and big, bigger groups, but that's not what I want to go for um i love the loneliness of the trail i love traveling alone uh, with seeing a few people sometimes so i'm planning to go sobo and uh, since i'm 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 home in montreal i could even start with the iet i'm still debating it do the iet and then jump into Kitaden and from the north and go connect where i left the trail and finish because I want to do Georgia all over again. There's no way I'm stopping where I left the trail. I'll just do it all over again. <laughs> yeah, you just have 11 more days or well, maybe less. If maybe less. You know, <laughs> yeah, 
Because by the t- that time you'll be ending. So you'll oh, yeah. be making maybe more miles and that sort of thing. Yeah, might as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting. Well, of course, we're going to keep in contact, obviously. Oh, yes. Um, and I love to see you on trail. Maybe our paths will cross. Oh, I yes. Hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> yes. Great. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on. This was wonderful. And um, definitely want to get you on again after your AT adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, have a great day. And again, thank you for coming on Stitch. Thank you, Cheer. That was very, very fun. <laughs> And that's a wrap for today. It was such a joy to talk to Stitch, and we both agreed that it was very therapeutic for us to talk about trail. This, for me, every time I do a Q&A or even just get together with hikers in our um, online meetups via Zoom and that sort of thing, it's very therapeutic for me, especially since I'm personally going through a little post-trail depression myself. So uh, it was such a joy to talk with another hiker, especially Stitch. And if you'd like to follow along with Stitch's future adventures, she, like she said, keeps her trail journal on Instagram. So I've left a link for that in the show notes. We'll see if she comes up with a YouTube channel. She seemed pretty hesitant, but we, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure if she does, she'll post on her Instagram about it. So definitely follow along if you'd like. And the big question is, will Cheer and Stitch meet next year on the AT? So stay tuned for that on her socials and also on our socials. Um, you could also keep up with us on our website. It is www.thrower.com. That's www.thru-r.com. And there's a link to all of our socials there. And speaking of our website, we are going to be launching an all new version, same address and everything, but Uh, I guess I could say through a reloaded (laughs) website that's going to take the community to the next level. We are currently beta testing the site. And if you would like to follow along with the latest on the launch, you can go to our website and scroll to the bottom and there's a sign up page for our newsletter. Uh, We would love to have you on there to get all of the latest on that launch and everything else long distance hiking. If you love this episode, consider rating and reviewing our podcast. It really helps with visibility and also feel free to share with your hiker friends. Thank you so much for listening today and until next time, happy hiking.